0: Discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code ABSURDITY at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there.
1: Welcome to Absurdity with Ryan Becker. Welcome back to Absurdity. Before we jump into today's episode, as promised last week, we're going to preview just one more song from Jordan Putz's EP, Honest to God. And if you want to uh, check that EP out, you can head on over to Spotify, iTunes, all those places. And there are links in the description below. This is not a paid sponsorship. Jordan is a personal friend of mine, and I asked for his permission uh, to play these tracks on the podcast. So this is part two, and I'm going to play the song hard for you it's called hard and uh really good track i'm going to play just a little bit before as as it transitions into the conversation and then at the very end of the episode you can hear um you can hear the whole song but you can find it on spotify itunes all that good stuff also our giveaway winner has been announced it is caleb Isley, who has been a uh guest on this podcast as well i cannot believe that luck would have it that he won but his gift card has been sent off so thank you guys so much for entering those of you who did and please continue to review as there will be future giveaways uh, and i've got some patreon exclusive stuff coming uh in the works in the next couple months as well thank you guys so much for listening here is uh jordan putt's song hard and then jumping right into today's conversation
2: sometimes to find a new metaphor, to say the same old cliche. Because whatever I'm saying has been
1: said before, and it's hard. Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of Absurdity. The Michigan recordings are officially over. But Tony and I are recording just a little bit differently, so you'll still hear him in good quality. Um, and because we're each recording, Ho- hopefully, hopefully, yeah, we we hope. Um, don't worry, we've got a backup recording if everything fails. Um, I'm recording this two ways just to make sure that everything goes well. Um, it'll be perfect. Yeah, it'll be absolutely perfect. But totally per- everything we ever dreamed of. Act- absolutely. So, Tony, how have you been, man? It's been a while since I've talked to you
3: man it has been really hectic i got to be honest the last few weeks we haven't been able to record any episodes uh simply because like i've been writing papers and getting stuff down uh, it, what's crazy about grad school is that like you don't um it's not hard it's not like difficult uh it's just time consuming like it just takes up every moment of every day it's like oh i'm reading or i'm doing research for this or i have to get this done and it's just like, oh my goodness! I, I like look up, and it's seven o'clock at night, and I'm like, how did this happen? Mm. I've done three things, and uh, it's just crazy how that works. But the good news is that's all over. I have like two more papers to write, um, and my semester's done. I've gotten finals and projects and all that done. So it's this has been uh, pretty nice so far. Uh, you know, I, I know for you as a pastor, it's a little bit different. But also, no, you're going to be coming up here soon, so just just be prepared <laughs> that, like, it's not – yeah. You're not going to be, like, figuring out rocket science, but you're definitely going to be like, wow, my brain hurts at the end of this day.
1: Yeah. Nope, that makes sense. And, you know, you finished all your projects and all your papers, so you're ready to do it all again next year because you failed all oh, yeah, of totally. them. And you're going to have to retake everything. So that's – you. you-
3: yeah <laughs> did you yeah. say you joked? no
1: please don't tell me you, you failed i you was joke, kidding but uh <laughs> i was definitely kidding um no no it's a good thing that we recorded four parts plus then the one with andrew uh when i was definitely. up in michigan because it bought us some time so that was really good um but let's go ahead and jump in to uh today's topic because i actually think this one i know our 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 episode on masculinity got a lot of traction i know a lot of people loved it i got a ton of feedback from it i think this one will probably get more and i don't mean that to be haughty i don't mean that to like boast or anything i just think this is a really interesting topic and i think it's one that more people across the spectrum can relate to masculinity is one that you know mostly men will respond to but this one i think goes across the spectrum completely um yeah well i you know,
3: women responded to masculinity in a counterpoint sense of like, oh, well, and this is how you know, what's it like being woman, well, you know, femininity um, or like, well, I haven't really understood that. But with this one, I think there's a lot more buy-in for a lot of other people. And even then, like some people are OK with their masculinity. So for them, it was like, yeah, OK. Um, but yeah, I think I think today's episode's really going to. Well, they know the title. I mean, they can see it. Yeah. I don't know why I'm hiding it. But yeah, like well. I think. Uh, I think this concept's really going to click with some people.
1: Yeah, I so today we're talking about purity and innocence and I think um kind of these two things are are two of the most um misunderstood ideas um because here's this is kind of something I've been struggling with a lot recently not struggling with personally but I see a lot of my friends struggle with this and um I think Andy Stanley puts it the best when he says that you know a childlike faith cannot survive or a child Um, A childhood faith cannot survive in an adult world. And and, and the idea is that when we're kids, we're taught one thing. We're taught black and white ideas on things because as a kid, we have less, we have a less concept, a less conceptual understanding of why, and we more just need to understand what. And so uh, we're told, don't do this, do this, or do that, or don't do this, or don't do that. And so then all of a sudden what we find out when we're 21, 22 years old is our faith from when we were thirteen or fourteen, or even when we were eight or nine, is no longer sufficient. The things that we learned are no longer sufficient for the adult life that we're starting to live, and um, and so and purity and innocence are two of those ideas where when you're a kid, it's just easier to tell people, do this, don't do this, and we never tell we 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 fail in the transition period of being a teenager to explain. Okay, well then here's what this means when that starts to break down. And um, so what we ended up having is, so when we talk about purity and innocence, if you haven't figured it out, we're talking about this mainly in the realm of sexuality. Um, and, but and it, it goes beyond that. I don't mean sexuality as far as orientation. That's, that's something else. I'm talking about sexuality as far as like your sex life. <laughs> um, and yeah, and that, that straight up. So
3: your, your conception of what sex is and your, your, I don't even know how to say it. Like your conceptualization of what sex i think i just said that twice wow yep you literally Um, said in
1: other (laughs) way he basically said it's this but in other words it's this but in other words it's (laughs) It's,
3: the exact same thing like your cognizance of it i think that's what i'm saying like your awareness of it um like uh, that that it's out there that it exists and and then also like how you what you think it actually is and where it should be
1: absolutely um and so you know what and here's what I found, you know, we see stories like this in blogs or on news articles all the time of, of well-meaning Christians or Adventists who've grown up, done everything the right way, um, remained abstinent through until marriage and then they get married and all of a sudden they, they, they have sex, their wedding night or whenever, you know, their honeymoon, wherever it happens. And all of a sudden they're filled with guilt and shame because they've now, um, quote unquote, lost their virginity. Um, they've, um, they've done this thing. I
3: don't, I don't think that's a quote unquote.
1: I I think they really did. Well, no, but see, so this is why I say quote unquote, well, I'll get, I'll jump back to it in a minute. So remind me. Okay. We'll continue. Um, I'm interrupting. Uh, no, that's fine. Um, so, uh, they lost their virginity and for 20 some odd years, they've been told that sex is bad. And except within the confines of marriage. And so they've just been led to assume that when I get married, there's suddenly some magical shift that will happen and everything will be fine. Then they get married and they find out that turns out being told something is wrong for 20 some odd years or 30 some odd years or however long, um, is probably means that when you do it, you're probably going to have some guilt and shame attached, um, to it because you feel like you've betrayed the thing that you've been taught and grown up believing. Um, yeah. So the reason I say lost virginity, um, and I say quote unquote is because I actually think that's the wrong way to, to go about, like, personally, I think that's a bad way of phrasing, um, phrasing your first time having sex. Um, because you don't, you don't lose it, like losing it implies something negative and sex isn't meant to be a negative. Like sex is like the first gift that God gave to man the first order that he gave to multiply and fill the earth. Like, like there's a whole book of the Bible dedicated to um, a sexual in, encounter in, in pleasure, yeah. not just procreation. Like, like that's why I say, quote unquote, lose their virginity because they feel like they've lost a part of themselves when in reality, in, in in kind of the the biblical definition of sex you're actually giving something and so and you're or also winning, and, winning. Yeah, you win, win your virginity yeah or, or you're or you're receiving something too so it's Correct. not yeah. um yeah. but when you're told it, language matters i think is is why i am uncomfortable yeah. with that phrase with that phrase and, and and that terminology um that's why i said it that way you're welcome to disagree with that you're just wrong if you do tony that's that's the only that's that's kind of my motto on this podcast is you're welcome to disagree. You just need to know that you're wrong when my, you do. My dad has
3: a great saying where he'd be like, I'd agree with you, but then both of us would be wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I see where you're going with that. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. And I think we can get deeper into that. But I th- I think that concept of you're losing something, because it also implies that when you, lo- you know, losing your virginity means that you've lost, like it's a battle. It's a power struggle, mm-hmm. which again, it. it it might not be necessarily said so, and you can even be told it's not that way by other people, um even your parents and the same people who discussed that maybe with you beforehand um when they were you know having those those different talks but um when you think of it in those terms, you think of it as a power struggle and that's and it's sex without love is is it's about power absolutely um you see that goodness gracious, I mean everywhere. Um, and we even talked about it. I think it was on a uh, episode.
1: It was one of the Michigan recordings um, that we touched on. It
3: definitely was one of the Michigan recordings. I think it was the one where we were talking about. Um, well, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. But we we talked about this idea of, um, that that the size, you know, yeah. size matters, and that all comes from that idea of conquest. The bigger the sword, et cetera, um, and that you were conquering the woman, and the woman needs to be conquered. And this whole idea that that's why it was okay, or that's why it was allowed, and um you know you you really do get this idea of yeah well it's it's of course it's going to come with negative connotations because you're losing something it's a war
2: yeah
3: and um yeah yeah i, yeah. I, I agree with you on that i think that's a it's a bad way of doing it but i think that also i can understand i can understand historically why it was that way like i yeah. get why they did it that way um I just, yeah, I don't agree with it. <laughs> I'm with you on that, but well, I, I get I, that it's it, there's a lot of shame attached to it.
1: Well, there's and, and and most of the stuff that we end up critiquing or talking about, we're never saying happened out of bad intentions. Well, most of the time, there are sometimes where most of the
0: time there are sometimes most
1: of the time, especially when we're criticizing something in the church, we're talking about something that people were doing with good intentions, right? How do we help people experience the fullest of God's intent for their sexuality um, within the confines of a biblical marriage? Like that's that's yeah. the intent. And so they set up all these things. And the problem is that it's there's there's usually the problem isn't with intentions. It's with the implications of what you're doing. And um, I that's that's one of them. You know, I think the other side of this is we've turned it into kind of a don't ask, don't tell thing. So because we don't because my goodness, we don't talk about it we don't teach, we don't educate people how to have positive conversations with their significant other or their spouse about sex. What does it look like? What am I looking, we don't teach people how to communicate. We don't, now granted, I don't necessarily think the pastor should be preaching that from the pulpit. Like, here's how you communicate with your partner. And like, I think that's something that happens outside of, you know, a Saturday or a Sunday service. But I think in general, it's something that needs to happen is, is a fuller understanding and, and, and a, and more, um, or greater comfort in talking about these, this topic so that people can get married and be healthy in their sexuality as well, because sexuality is a, is a, is definitely a part of our experiences as humans, like a hundred percent. So I think it is really important that we start to talk about this a lot more than just do this or don't do this.
3: Yeah. And, um, I'm I'm not a huge. I don't like buying into pop phrases, um, as much as as much as I can. I do I do believe in knowing your culture. I do believe in knowing pop culture, but I don't. You know, sometimes there are some phrases that's like, hey, okay, all right, that's that's maybe more of a fad. That's uh, not necessarily a mentality that makes a lot of sense or, or has. But I do believe in this concept of, um, and this arising concept of sex positivity. Yeah. I'm a huge advocate for that because um, – well, I, I, like I said, I think I think we can get a little bit more into that later. But it's just a, to be able to think of it as a positive thing, you have to be intentional about it. Anything Absolutely. you do in life, you have to be intentional if you want to make any change. And I think we, when it comes to sex, it's been negative so long because it is something that's serious. I think there are a lot of implications, whether it. it comes from uh, emotionally, physiologically, biologically – um, there are a lot of different it it holds a lot of weight there's a lot of gravitas attached to it and so i think that um, you can you can attack it from a positive sense and and i i mean when i say sex positivity or sex positive um i am literally only saying that sex is a good thing not a bad thing i am not uh, implying a, a, a you know that all sexual lifestyles are okay um or that you know oh the polyamorous i'm not, I'm not don't don't there's no baggage with that sentence or that phrase i know it it can be a little bit of a not not quite trigger word but i guess there's there's, there's little, yeah some there's, stigmas, there's, there's yeah there's stigmas with it stigmas definitely. attached to it so really what i mean when i say this is that you know it, it really i really just mean i i'm i'm talking about it in a positive sense that when we talk about this that we talk about oh this is awesome this is good um you know, food positive or whatever. You know, it's yeah. it's that idea where it's like, I'm not advocating going to a buffet every day, but I'm saying let's talk about eating in a positive sense. Same thing with sex. Let's talk about this in a positive sense. How can we attack this in an intentional way so that everything comes out in a more positive way rather than constantly kind of being like, oh, don't. Um, which I think I, I think that does a lot of damage too.
1: Yeah. Well, and so so let's let's kind of then transition this into actual, how does this impact purity and innocence? Because for me, um, you know, I look at and I hear all these, all these things throughout history of, of tribes sacrificing virgins and, and, and virginity is hailed as kind of is, is kind of like the, the ultimate form of purity undefiled. Someone has been, you know, someone has been undefiled, things like that. So, so it's um, virginity is held up as this pure thing and, and this innocent thing. So, um and, the problem is then that when you've lost your you know when you've given up your virginity to someone whether in marriage or outside of marriage whatever um you have this sense that you are no longer pure so just just uh recently a friend of mine did a Q&A at his church a live Q&A people were able to to tweet in Ooh, um, those are questions dangerous. um yeah and <laughs> and there was a panel with therapists on the panel live panel on stage answering the questions and someone tweeted oh, in yeah, came prepped for bear because that can that, yeah, can, go that south. can go real bad, yeah, <laughs> really um, quickly. Well, he so the the um the, one of the questions was, you know, if I've lost my virginity outside of marriage, if I've had premarital sex, um, am I damned to hell, uh, or or you know, am I is there any way back to God because that's something you can't take back, um, and to which then I would respond, I mean, all sin is technically something you can't. Take back if I, if you've told a lie, it doesn't ever stop being a lie, even when you eventually tell the right. truth. Yeah, if no, you've murdered yeah. someone, you're not bringing them back to life anytime soon. If you you know what I mean? Like there's to some extent, sin is sin. Period. But you get that sentiment because once you've lost your purity sure. it, and your innocence, it seems like there's no way to get those two things back. Yeah. Um, and so I so and and part of that yeah is absolutely because of the way we've treated virginity in the way we've treated sex education within the church. Let alone outside of the church, which unfortunately yeah. I think the church has had too much of an influence on how sex ed is taught in schools that are not religious. That's an entirely different topic.
3: Yeah, I was going to say that that, <laughs> that can we can head down that rabbit hole pretty quickly.
1: <laughs> but I, um, so I, I, I definitely think there's there's a difference between purity and innocence, and yeah. I think that understanding that difference is absolutely the key, or is is one of the keys. Um, to getting rid of the shame that 's attached with experiencing the full breadth of, of god 's plan for sexuality, um, but I 'm curious from you, Tony. Um, how would you define purity or innocence? and if if you don 't have a, a definition kind of offhand for both of those things, then just throw it back that 's fine
3: that's that 's a good question. I guess I can start with innocence. Innocence is a lack of awareness. I think that's the best way to say it in a very pure sense, in a, in, in every, haha, in a very pure sense, wow, um, <laughs> hello, it, but that's really it, and it's in it's just most transparent form, innocence is simply a lack of awareness, right, you know, ignorance is bliss, yeah, um, and that to me is, is innocence and ignorance go hand in hand, Um but not just ignorance. I think it's also a lack of awareness. I, I think it's more than just ignorance because um, you can you can have something presented to you and 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 know that it exists and still not be aware of it in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's innocence to me. Innocence is, it, it can be a mentality. It's this lack of awareness, um, and that's that's innocence.
1: Yeah, like when we look at it like a kid and we say, "Oh, he's so innocent." Like, yeah, he has right. a, he, like he has he an does, experience he what bills. Are he yeah. just, he's not aware. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Um, and that's what we say, you know, gets oh, just, just such a, a childlike demeanor. You know, optimists are often viewed as childlike because there's kind of this perceived lack of awareness of the world. And so they go, oh, well, you know, they're, they're just so childlike because they, they're just they're yeah. not aware that the world really is bad because pessimists are considered to be positive because you just are aware how horrible and awful everything is. Um, yeah, which is. Because we live in a world of sin, and, and the longer you are, the more sin you're going to experience, or the effects of sin you're going to experience. And so I, I, you know, it makes sense. But at the same time, I go not necessarily because you can have some people that are very aware and choose not to acknowledge it or react to it a different way, um, and you have some people who are pessimists who can be very innocent as well. Um, uh, but I think that's it. You know, innocence, naivete, naivety. Um, naivety I, I think they all kind of go together, which is that idea of lack of awareness. They're just not they don't see the same things. Um my mom tends to be very innocent. Uh not in a sexual way, obviously, but rather she will walk in, you know, she has no fear. Um sometimes with that too, like she'll she'll be listening to a song on the radio, like an oldie on the radio or something and you know. Of course, now oldies are from the 80s, like from the 60s, oldies, oldies, 60s, 50s. And all of a sudden it'll come up and I'll be like, wow, that's a really, you know, like, dude, that's that song's kind of kind of dirty. Mom, she's like, what are you talking about? And then I'll just say the lyrics to her, like making eye contact. Like, this is what it's saying. And she's like, oh, you know, so she yeah. still has that a little bit. Um, but more like she just has no fear of the world around her. Like, she's just not aware. Like she she will. She has no fear um she she's a principal of a school and they went on a trip to china and i'm like panicking the whole time like three weeks that they're gone doing this you know mission trip and learning and all this different stuff and i'm like (laughs) because i know (laughs) that she i mean this is a communist country if you say the wrong thing she might not be coming back um and of course she was fine everything was fine but at the same time i go she's just she, had, she was like, oh, this is going to be so great. There's no possible, you know, like nothing could possibly go wrong. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Everything can go wrong. Like you can, it's communist China. Like you're not, uh, like, yeah. and so she she has that innocence and she's in her 50s, you know. And to me, I, I think, you know, she's just not aware of these things. She just just isn't cognizant of them. Um, so that would be innocence and a long answer to a short question. Purity, I think, on the other hand, is a mindset, but it is also a, I don't know how to say this, a way of making choices, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: if that makes sense. Um, It's, it's a, it's a lack of, or a deliberate intentionality to not do certain things or to do certain things, if that makes any sense.
2: Mm Absolutely.
3: Um, especially in a sexual connotation, but even in, in other connotations, right? You know, if I choose to water down my orange juice um, and cut it with something, it's not pure orange juice. Um, if I choose to water down the truth, it's not pure anymore. Mm. Um, if I choose to add something to, you know, a mixture, it's no longer pure, Um you know, so there's that sense of, of, you know, intentionality on one end or the other. You know, chemists, when they talk about purity, um, they have to be very intentional about it because if something isn't pure, if they're not dealing with a pure chemical, it um, could go really bad really quickly. And I think also that in a philosophical sense, purity is that way too. Sexual purity is a choice or a series of choices or a mentality of intentionality in adding or not adding certain things to to your your sexual life.
1: Yeah. Okay.
3: Um, So those would be the two differences. You know, one's more lack of awareness and one's more is intentional, intentional choice making. Yeah.
1: Yeah. See, so I, I would, I would fully agree with you on innocence. I would partially differ with you. I don't disagree with you. I would just differ. Controversy. um, Um, Innocence. I agree. Actually, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say specifically what happened. I will, I will describe it. As best as I can, there was a day I was driving home from school with my mom. I was sitting in the front seat, and there was a. If you're ever from, if you're from Orlando, if you've ever been to Orlando, there's one car you will see everywhere, and it's it's like '90s and early thousands Honda Civics that oh are modded yes. with a ton of bumper stickers that is so and so true, like they're everywhere. All right, That's, oh my word, it <laughs> it's everywhere. So there was a there was a Civic in front, a front of us. Symphony moment. Wow, <laughs> uh, it's there like, was that this,
0: is so true. I've been yeah, there. Yeah, the car modding community.
1: Sorry, yeah, the ahead. car modding community there is huge. So, um, and civics are cheap. Um, old civics are cheap and reliable, so it's easy to rebuild them, whatever. So car in front of us, there's bumper stickers galore. And on the back windshield, there is a symbol. It is a hand gesture where um, all of your fingers are raised except for your ring finger. So four of your fingers are raised, but your ring finger is bent. That is a sexual gesture. Um, and my mom looks over at me and I'm like 16 or 17. She looks over at me and she says, Ryan, I've seen that symbol a lot lately. What does that mean? There's nothing, there's never been a more awkward moment in my life than having to explain a a very inappropriate sexual gesture to my mother in the car <laughs> like what wow, you you went so, for it man it you're it a better man than
0: me i would have been like i, I have nope, no idea was, let's nope, go get I ice cream it.
1: i didn't even think to do that i definitely should have but yeah that was so innocence innocence i agree it is a lack of awareness it's a lack yeah. of uh, and, and it's not necessarily a bad thing that in innocence is that way of course purity, not. no yeah uh, the way that i would i would define purity is unstained undefiled. So something in its purest form. I know that, um, that's, it's kind of bad to use that word in its definition. So I do okay. agree with the intentionality. I would, and, and, and you, 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 for the most part said it in talking about adding anything to orange juice is no longer pure orange juice. Um, so same deal, just kind of, it's unstained. It hasn't been touched from what it was originally intended to be. Yeah. Um, and so
3: well, in that sense, and this is to me the, the difference in sexuality, you can have your innocence taken from you. I don't think you can have your purity taken from you.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's literally, like, that's the entire point of this podcast episode oh, right okay. there, well, they, is, what, <laughs> is what you just said. So everyone have a great week. There's your sound um, bite. Well, <laughs> no, really, purity, purity cannot be taken from you. Purity is always a choice. And innocence is something that absolutely can be taken from you. And there is someone listening to this, or there's someone that will listen to this at some point, that that is going to be the most freeing thing you've ever heard. Um, I know it was for me. Um, it, I'm, I, to this day, um, that I know of, unless someone like did something terrible to me and I didn't know about it, to this day, I know that I'm a virgin. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm innocent. Um, but... Um, Purity has been a choice for me, but there are times where I've come, I, I have, I've come close. I've, I have, I'm, I was a teenager and, and a young adult who had no, who had no idea how to process the hormones. in. And that's yeah. the case for a lot of my friends. Like, that's just me being honest. Um, And yeah, it's uncomfortable. And that is scary as heck to say in a public setting. But um, I'm, and so, I'm very uncomfortable with you right now, Ryan. <laughs> to understand that purity is a choice um is is absolutely vital to understanding our sexuality um because it, innocence is absolutely something that you can take, be taken from you we see it in rape we see it in abuse we see it in um I man we even see it with parkland and the mass shootings we see it with any sort of crime or sin that happens to you that was against your will and it, it um, doesn't
3: even have to be that deep i think you know um you know i have family members that they're just not comfortable walking in cities by themselves now because they used to be fine. They grew up in a sheltered area and then they walked around in a city and they got catcalls and, and they were, you know, yeah, not, not quite assaulted, but to the point where it's like, oh yeah, wow, men are horrible, disgusting, you know, creatures. Um, And now, and they had their innocence taken from them in the sense that they didn't think that men were this way. You know, there was, it was, oh, these are bad men that, you know, that, that mm. would rape someone. And it's like, no, no, these are just, just, normal dudes working on stuff or driving by or whatever um you know street performers or whatever it is it's just this is just it's just normal people choosing to you know to to be this way and yep. they had that taken from them um absolutely you know, it, it's like the phrase don't ever ask how the hot dogs are made you know or don't ever ask how it you know is made cuz you'll never you'll never be able to eat it again you'll never have that like yay you know
1: and yeah absolutely um, and and so I, I I would agree. I think innocence can be taken from you. But what happens is people will have sex in or outside of marriage, and they'll feel and be told by church members, by pastors, yeah. by leaders, uh, teachers, parents, whatever, you are no longer pure. You have lost something that you cannot regain. And I would agree that that is true only with regard to innocence. Once you yeah. know something, you can't just unknow it. Oh, for sure. Um, unless you get amnesia. Right. Or at least or if one day you forget it. But typically something like sex tends to be important enough that, well, you remember it. So yeah. um, innocence absolutely is something that can be lost. But purity is so much different. I, I want you to know how proud you should be of me because I
3: did not make a single Bill Cosby reference there.
1: Except not. for just
3: now. Well, yeah, but only <laughs> in the absence of it. Like you should know I, yeah. I'm very proud of myself. Um yeah, I I, I am a hundred percent agree with that. I think that um, when when we think about those things and when we talk about those things, we need to be more intentional about understanding the difference. And I know you're you're going to talk about that in a second, but I think the reason for that being that you sex does not make you impure, and as much as we don't want to admit, we're affected by the early church and the and the, you know, the Roman Catholic Church's views on on the sexual act, I think for a lot of Christians and a lot of Adventists, we are still very much in the idea that sex is something that God nodded and winked at. Um to quote, I can't remember. I think it was Augustine or Augustine however you want to pronounce it, but kind of this thing where God, like, I guess you guys have to do this. Similar to like eating meat where he was like, "Uh, I don't want you to, but since you already are, I guess go ahead and do this. Like, no, 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 no. This was something that was created in the garden when there was no sin. This is something that's beautiful and pure. And we need to think of it in that way. We need to be able to be intentional about telling the difference between sexuality and and non-sexuality. Because interestingly enough, when we talk about uh, innocence... This is the thing that Jesus said in the garden, or sorry, the, the serpent said in the garden of Eden, right? You will be like God, knowing good from evil. So what's interesting is that when you uh, consummated sex or copulated in the Bible, when you had sex in the Bible, it was the word is knowing, yada, yeah, literally to know. It's this idea of the removal of innocence. Um, Right, like I said, you know the the, the 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 now you are aware of it, and it's not a bad thing. No, it's a bad thing when God says I don't want you to know this certain thing, because it's true. They ended up knowing what good and evil is, and, and the difference between the two. And I got to be honest, I would be okay not knowing what evil is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: to some extent, was, yeah, I'd... I'm
3: very very much okay with not and living in a in a world where I didn't have to deal with that. But I also understand that to know somebody means you are now aware of them in a physical way, and you do, you're do you going to lose that innocence. So we need to be intentional about separating those two, because when you combine them, you do end up with this kind of allowed sin, this allowed deviation from God, perversion yeah. of God's will. And it's like, no, that's, that's not how he intended it yeah. at all.
1: Yeah, I—, I, I, I... I would see sex as kind of the same way that I see a lot of other things, which is that um, sex itself is kind of amoral, if not more closely identifying with the positive side, because it is something that God originally, you know, commanded to some extent. Um, But um, I would say that it's how you use it or how you include it in your life that, you know, how you include it in your lifestyle, that that's when it becomes something good or bad. Yeah, I would agree with that. So kind of like money. Money is amoral, but if you spend it badly, then yeah. Um, well, I,
3: it's like they didn't have money back then, so they bartered stuff. So that's why, you know, Jesus, you know, the Bible doesn't say, "Don't covet money." Um, it says, "Don't covet your neighbor's oxen or, or, you know, property, because or wife or whatever." Because that was what money was back then. That's all money is it stands for a certain amount of something. A dollar is, you know, point eight seven of a bean burrito, and that's. I'm hungry, in case you can't tell. Um, fourth meal. Anyway, like that, it stands for something, and that's the same idea with sex, is that sex, it stands for something, and so it's amoral depending on how you use it and depending on what value you place on it and how you uh, go forward yeah. with it.
1: So we've talked a ton about innocence. Now I want to kind of shift gears into purity because – then the question becomes, okay, if if you know, if you can recapture purity or if you don't lose purity, no one can take it from you, then what is it? You know, not just what is the definition of it, but what is it? And if I already have made a choice and lost my purity or given up purity, then how do I if it is capturable, if it is recapturable, reattainable, how do I get it back? Um yeah. and I think there is this awesome story. Um, I normally don't do this on this podcast. I normally try not to like be big on like Bible stories this way and, and turn into my pastor mode. But this honestly, like purity, I want us to think the way that I think of purity in this context is the same exact way I think of salvation and the way mm-hmm. that salvation works. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, um I know, really art- feel
3: like before you start, I really feel like we need to put like a theme
0: music to
3: like, <laughs> pastor mode, like old school Batman, like
1: pastor mode. Um, So. All right, kids and jingle up close to your iPod. (laughs) Pastor Ryan's going to tell us a story. That's already a dated Um, reference. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, So I don't even know what an iPod is. So Isaiah 64, our righteousness is like filthy. 64 six, I think is the actual verse. "Our, Our righteousness is like filthy rags. And if you read that in context, you understand that filthy rags are literally like what women were using to clean from their menstrual cycles. So, um, like the grossest thing that you wouldn't want to touch, that was back then something that literally made you unclean because you were you were like like ritually unclean or ceremonial unclean because you had a discharge of blood. Like it was something that no one wanted to touch. And um, so already, if if we're like that, in Romans three twenty three, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, you know, there's no there's no one that's good. No, not one. Scripture is kind of clear that every single person, kind of from the get go, is impure got it like yeah. like no not good you've all, you've screwed up from the beginning you were never pure but then jesus comes in and says okay i'm going to give you my righteousness and by definition make you pure um and and so zechariah 3 um has this awesome vision of joshua standing the high priest representing all of jerusalem standing before god and satan and he's um and he doesn't say a word in the entire vision and um god says this is my um, this is Jerusalem that I, a brand plucked from the fire, or a people I have saved from certain death or danger. Yeah. Um, and he says, uh, "Behold, I will take your old clothes from you." And and Joshua was wearing these old, stained, dirty clothes. He removes them from Joshua yeah. completely. So Joshua is now standing naked before his accuser and uh, before his accuser Satan and before God. And then um, God gives him brand new clothes and then proceeds to treat uh Joshua as if he had been wearing the new clothes all along all along yeah and and like that's that's literally how it that's how righteousness works right like like god takes our gross stuff and replaces it with his own and then treats us as if it was as if that was who we were the entire time yeah um it is naturally restorative right because originally when he created us he said humans were good we became bad and then we're kind of stuck down the line with it but um, then he comes back and he says, all right, I'm going to give you my righteousness. I'm going to fix this. Um, and purity is the exact same way as righteousness in this case, where it's just something that you you claim and you say, look, from this day forward, I am accepting that Jesus is the one that makes me righteous or makes me pure. Now, obviously, we're talking about this from the Christian worldview. So if you're not a Christian, you're not an atheist, then at least see this portion of this conversation as a more, as a better Uh, alternative than the current model of the way that we guilt and shame sex out of people. Um, and that would, that would be what I would implore (laughs) to the atheists that I do know that listen to this. Um, we love you guys. We love you. And I, and I know that you're there and I know that some of this is kind of harder to listen to because without Jesus, then, okay, then how do I deal with that guilt and shame? That's a different thing. Um, But I'm talking about specifically within the Christian world, there are people who are still Christian who have been damaged by this teaching that they are no longer pure. Well, in the eyes of God, as far as sin is concerned, none of us were pure, but he's given us the option to recapture purity on a daily basis, and purity is absolutely a choice in my mind, Um, and and I'm convinced of this, um, that yeah, even if you screwed up yesterday and you screw up again tomorrow, then the day after you can always say, Jesus... I, for, I I'm asking for forgiveness, I've messed up, and from this day forward, I will be pure. This is my choice, and that's where the intentionality comes in. Um, so that's kind of my take on it. I, I parallel it with salvation and the way salvation works and, and Jesus' righteousness. I don't know if you would add anything, maybe take away something. I don't know, Tony, what, what are your thoughts on it?
3: I don't think I'd take away. I, you know, I think I'm right alongside. I think I'm very parallel with that line of reasoning.
1: Well if you um, add to it, it's no longer pure. So yeah, uh, be no, careful. I, it's not pure
3: Becker. Um so I'll just say blarg. Um <laughs> No, I, I yeah, like I, I agree with that. I think <clears throat> I think this concept of and by the way, I really really quickly want to mention something. Um just so that there's no misinterpretation or understanding of this. God does not consider the menstrual cycle to be evil or an abomination or anything oh, yeah. like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is it was a it was a practicality thing of you know that he had to explain that the blood is not safe. Um, that's why it was a whole kosher thing. So this is we're not body shaming women. God was not body shaming women. He was just saying, hey, when you're doing the cycles, like this is dirty, this is bad. You know, it's like a it's like a kid, you know, who just sees a dead cat on the road and you're like, no, don't touch it. It's not that cats are evil or even that dead cats are you know. Zombie cat's gonna kill him. It's just you know that there's a disease attached to it, so you say this is this or is not
1: the possibility of disease yeah, possibility. attached to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Um, and he just wanted to keep them safe, you know, dirt, you know, uh, unclean, you know, boil your water, that kind of stuff. Like it's a very yeah. practical thing, not a shame thing. Okay, so that out of the way, um, for, for all our lady peeps out there, um. I think when we talk about purity, I think we definitely need to underst- come from, from, come from the understanding that purity is not about what we do. It's something bigger than us. Um, this is why music to me is one of the the best. It, it, it transcends culture and um, it is the international language because mu- there's a purity to music. Mm. Um that we can all recognize. That we can all sit there and, and be like, oh, this is. I understand this. This is this is beautiful. This is awesome. Um, which is why someone like Yo Yo Ma can can appreciate Bach, <laughs> and and you know a, a, you know someone born in China um, or you know coming from a Chinese background um, that would have no connection to this German you know 18th century composer can hear these this these these beautiful things and create something beautiful with it because music is is, is it, there's a purity to it you can't mm-hmm. add to music you can't detract from music it is what it is there's a purity to it um all you can do is either join it and become a part of it or not Absolutely. Um, and that goes for something like Kurt Cobain as well you know um you know, uh, 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 I think there's a there's a beautiful purity to lots of different music and lots of different styles, and people can understand that. Um, there's a great. I'm going off on a tangent, but I'm, I'm I'll bring it back. There's a great uh, documentary, or it's not a documentary, I guess It's a foreign film called Metalhead, and um, a, a, it's it's based in Iceland, I believe, and it's like in Icelandic. So you like most of the words are it's in subtitles, and we were watching mm-hmm. this for a. A class I had on on young adult culture, and um, basically this this young man dies. He was a metalhead. He li- liked to listen to um, you know hair mu- you know hair metal and um, you know Led Zeppelin and, and ACDC and you know uh, uh, Iron Maiden and all that good stuff. And his sister kind of takes on his persona when he dies uh, out of her grief because um, in her family no one mourned, no one talked about it. It was an accident. It was like he. he you know, uh, harmed himself or anything. It just, it was plowing a field and, and it happened. Um, and, But the father blamed himself and the mother blamed himself. And so out of this kind of lack of whatever, she took on this persona, but music was how she kept that connection to her brother alive. And she ends up making metal music and taking to this very conservative Icelandic village. And they end up hearing, you know, a band comes in, here's a tape and they listen to her and, and they end up understanding, hey, you know what? This isn't us, but this is how she's speaking, and she's doing something awesome. And so they just, they, it brings the community all together, it brings the family all together. To me, that's the same thing with this idea of, of, of sexual purity as well is that you can have something that is beautiful beyond even you, it's beyond your choices. It is a mentality, as a way of choosing. Yes, I will be, I am not going to choose to be pure. But for Christians, our purity doesn't come from our mistakes or our right choices. It comes from what God is able to do for us. And for people who, who don't believe in God, um, it's something beyond yourself. You say, I want to—I mean, this is why—and this is crazy to me, but you know, people in the secular world view affairs as a bad thing because loyalty is a—there's something here about loyalty, about saying you matter to me. I'm going to be honest and faithful to you. Um, this is why Ashley Madison was such a big deal, um, yeah. because there's something pure about saying, I choose you, and and I'm going to stay faithful to you, and I'm going to take care of you. Um, there's something beautiful and amazing in that. And so when you break that commitment, there's something wrong and off about it. And, yeah. and to me, that's the same thing. It's like you can find purity in something bigger than yourself. In um, that love that has other people And for me, God is love So when we talk about love, you can say it's not God and, and I agree with you But to me, that that is God to me When I see love, when I see, you know, a puppy gif um, Or gif, whatever you want to call it And it's just this beautiful thing And I cry and I think how beautiful this is, this is I see God in this Other people might not see that But we get that same feeling We get that same emotion And that to me, when it comes to sex and comes to purity that same idea of find something bigger than yourself. Yeah. to hold on to. Yep. So I would agree with what you were saying as well that that you know you can you can absolutely God does see us as pure when we take on Christ's righteousness. Um, mm-hmm. but even outside of that you can have this beautiful pure love because you have chosen to submit yourself to something bigger. And it is yep. a choice, it's a sacrifice. It really is. You know, you have to choose to do it. I am withholding from other people you know, a comedian jokes about this, and he says, "Like, I am choosing to only shop at your store," um, hmm. and so you know you can't close it from Monday to Friday every other month. Um, that was kind <laughs> of the joke in there, but and there is a biblical, by the way, this is biblical verse talking about you shouldn't deny your, your partner. But anyway, that's not the point. The point, the point that I am getting at is, um, you know, I am, cho- you know, you are choosing someone. And you're giving them value. And in doing so, you, you make it bigger than yourself. So I think to me that's the big thing for purity is to submit to something bigger than yourself. Absolutely. And when you do that, you can make something pure again. And yep. you can remake something. I think when you make that commitment over again, um, you know, renewing vows, I think are beautiful. I think we should celebrate those more, right? Who celebrates the beginning of a race? Nobody nobody starts a marathon and the gun goes off, and they're like, "This is awesome! Let's have a party." No, you celebrate, you know, at the end or halfway, or you know, like to me, I think that's the most awesome thing is that we, you know, we should celebrate a renewal of vows that people are remaking, you know, this commitment to yeah. themselves and that they've they've stayed true to this commitment, to this choice, to the to this hard race that they've want uh, run, and won. Um, you know, so I think that's cool too. But that's another, know yeah. that's another. Well, tangent. I
1: think. I think there's, you know, there's the other angle of this that is guilt and shame. And I think this is, this is going to where I land with, with, with guilt and shame. And it's this, you know, I think guilt biblically is uh, to some extent a good thing. Feeling guilt over doing something wrong is fine. Shame, however, is something in scripture that, that is, that is looked down upon. In other words, shame is something that we should not be feeling. So we don't look down on you for feeling shame. We say that the shame itself is what's bad. Um, and staying in that shame is something that's bad. So, um, and we say it's something bad for you, not that you're sinning because you're staying in shame or you're worse because you've stayed in it, but because staying in shame makes things worse. So the way I would say this is no matter the way that I would say someone needs to feel guilt, um, is if within your worldview, within your set of standards, if you fall short of the standards you've set for yourself or you believe are set for you by God or by whatever your belief system is, and you fall short of those. It's okay to feel guilt because you feel like, yeah, I failed in meeting the standards that I've set or that were set for me or I've accepted for my life. So whether you're an atheist, an agnostic, a Muslim, a Jew, a Christian, whatever, guilt is fairly across the board that way. Shame is when you start to believe that there's something inherently wrong with you um, and that you yes. should or deserve that guilt for a long – as a result yes. of what you've done. Yep. This is – like. I really want this episode to be freeing. I want, I want those that are listening. Like if you have had, if you had sex yesterday and you're feeling terrible about it, if someone took virginity from you, right? If someone raped you, if someone stole your innocence, I get it. There's nothing you can do to get that innocence back. And that was absolutely terrible. Let me be the first pastor to tell you how terrible, like that's miserable. And you don't need to tell me that. And it's the easiest um, kind of moral soapbox to stand on to say that rape is terrible. Like, it's absolutely miserable. Yeah, you're really, you're really stepping out there. What I want you to know is that there's nothing wrong with you because that happened. Um, there's nothing wrong with someone because they made a poor choice. It doesn't mean that you're any worse now than you were before you made that choice or you're any better now than you were before you made that choice. What I What I want you to know is that all that matters is right now and who you choose to be from this moment is absolutely your choice. And if you decide that you want to be pure, that's fine. And here's the thing. Here's, here's the biggest thing, in my opinion. No one gets to define your purity for you. And I know that that's really weird because we just spent 45 minutes doing exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is if, if you have had sex and you've, lo- and you've given away your virginity, all right, and you've you read yourself. it, Good whatever, job. and you decided that you don't want to do it anymore, that you – the next person you have sex with is the person that you marry – and you come across a guy or you come across a girl that says, well, you've already had sex, uh, you're not pure in my you know, my eyes or whatever. They don't get to decide that. That's what I mean. No one gets to tell you that you are not pure um, if you have decided and accepted God's purity in your life. Like, period. Like, no one gets to take that from you. And if it is someone who says that to you, if it is someone who expresses that to you, then that's probably so, not someone you really want to spend the rest of your life with. No, for sure. Anyway, like in my opinion, like that, that's yeah. kind of a big thing. And it speaks to more of a faulty understanding of purity in their lives than in your own. Um, I, I had a friend who, um, she was in, I knew her
3: in college. I have to be careful with details here. So I'm, I'm going to be very vague. Um, but she she had a past and she... Had a lot of guilt and shame attached to herself. She was uh, molested, and so, um, and this was by a church uh, a member, and so it just and, attached a lot of shame to herself. And so she kind of, like you were saying, she just said, "Well, I'm already broken." So she went around and slept with a lot of yeah. people promiscuous, and and then she finally had a you know uh, epiphany moment. She she realized that you know uh, uh, she could be. Pure again, and that you know, accepting Jesus really created your life, and so she stopped. And she had multiple guys. I know of at least one. Um, we didn't talk about the others, but I got the sense that there was more than one. This was not the first time that it happened. Um, that when she opened up about this past, she had backed off and said, "Well, well, you're not pure," and and are very judgmental about that. And I told her. Um, And she was not interested in me, and, and, um, you know, I I was not interested in her. But, you know, when we were having this deep conversation, I said, you know, that does not change my view of you. And it shouldn't change your view of yourself. And someone should be able to see past that because God doesn't see you in that way. And you want to be with somebody that sees you the way God sees you. Even if you don't believe in God, the way that he sees you is as a beautiful, special um, unique most precious thing ever and that's what you want you want somebody to see you in that way and if they yeah. can't do that because they they can't see past your past well then that you don't want to be with them they're gonna no. you know what I mean that that's not someone you want to be with anyway
1: yeah and I but, know of a lot of well no, go, go ahead, ahead. sorry no, no, I you say, yeah. I know like there's a lot of single mothers and single fathers even um that you know I I don't live this way but I I, I I guess I can imagine, maybe I can't imagine, maybe I can't identify with it at all. And maybe the second you have a kid, you don't feel this way. Um, I do know there are some people, for a fact I've talked with people who feel this way, that when they walk around with their kid, it's a, it's a constant daily reminder and responsibility of owning up to the fact that, yeah, I messed up so long ago. And I'm stuck with the result of this sin, and they feel broken or they feel messed up. And the kid is yeah. just a reminder, and they build resentment toward their own child. And their child is supposed to be this beautiful thing. And, and so the child,
3: I, by the way, the child perceives that.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you need to be um,
3: very, very careful if you're a parent because they feel they may not be able to articulate it or express it until later on with a the therapist, hopefully.
1: Um, but they they pick that up. Well, and, and, and the reason I bring that up is I, I the same applies to you. If you have a kid and you're living with a permanent, um a permanent repercussion or a permanent consequence of that decision, you can still be pure. Like that's the thing. You can still choose from this day forward to be the best example possible for your kid. And most parents do. Most of the parents I know of absolutely do. Um I don't want anyone to feel trapped in the shame and the guilt. Um, that, that they may feel as a result of improper sex education, improper handling of, you know, teaching us about this, um, improper um, handling of it in their own lives, whatever. Um, it is it is our job, you know, as pastors to help you become the fullest that you can be in God's eyes, to be the fullest of who God has called you to be. And I think it's it's everyone's responsibility as a Christian to help each other and to see each other as people who are on the way to being the fullest that God has asked us and called us to be. And so I, you know, I, I really hope this episode is encouraging to you um, if you're listening to this and you've been in this boat, because I want you to know that absolutely God sees you as someone who's special and beautiful. Um, and purity is absolutely, if you want it right now, like it's yours. I'm not doing an altar call on a podcast. I'm just saying like, if you want it, it's yours. Yeah, Decide it now and, and accept it now and it's yours. And if you're, if you don't believe in God, purity is still yours. Just accept it and claim it. And it's yours. Yeah, you can own up to saying I've messed up and I failed, but that's not who I am anymore. Um, and that's not what I do anymore.
3: You know, I've I've met so many people and I don't know if this happens more or less outside of the Christian um perspective. I've I found that non-Christians tend to be a lot more sex educated and sex positive. Yeah. Um but I it might not either. Um eh. Fifty Shades of Grey was appealing to everybody, so I, you know, there's there might not be <laughs> no crazy like repressed crazy, but uh, you know, I think I think that that everybody deals with this to some level, um, especially here in the states because we we have such a Christian background and stuff. Point being, I've met so many Christians that don't know how to handle attraction well. Um, I've had some that um, just. I I am trying so very hard not to be weird about it, but I had one, you know, I had a a, a friend that came out to me and was like, you know, I'm having improper thoughts about my girlfriend, and I was like, what do you mean? You know, in my head, I'm thinking like it's every day, it's all the time, I'm obsessing, and he's like, well, sometimes she walks away and I look at her butt and 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 I like it, and I'm like, okay, and and I'm waiting for the boom to drop, like, and then I'll go home and I'll, you know paint pictures on my wall and burn out her eyes or something. I'm like waiting for that kind of like
0: <laughs> oh, and in geez. my head. I'm like, yeah, like, I'm, I'm like, Cause, yeah, cause this is going to the- get worse. Understand, yeah.
3: That's the tone that he came at me with. I'm like, oh, this is going to, you know, this is like sounds of the lambs type of gravitas that he came to me in this really breaking down words. And he's like, no, that was it. I just, I like her butt. I don't, I don't don't know how to deal with, you know, and I'm, I'm coming across as kind of flipping, like he was very serious about this. Like he was like, I'm dealing with lust and I'm like, no, 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 that's called being a a straight male. Like that's okay. It's called being Um, attracted to your significant other. Like it it means you're not a homosexual. That's what that means. Or it might not, I don't, but that's what it means. You're attracted to them. That's what it means. And I'm like, if you're not obsessing about it, if you're not thinking about it all the time, I'm like, how long does it last? He's like, you know, five or six seconds. And I'm like, Oh yeah, you're fine. Like I'm thinking like this is ours. Yeah. yeah. But you have to understand it was presented to him in such a way that that any attraction was considered bad. And he was like, I'm attracted to my girlfriend. And I'm like, that's not bad. You're meant to be. It's, it would be weird if you weren't. And then we would have to have another conversation about something else. Like, Oh, you're, you know, you, you don't watch Dexter or whatever. Um, like like you're attracted to them. That's perfectly natural. It's fine. Um, what you do with that, now again, that's a difference. Innocence and purity, right? Like that's the difference. Yeah. What are you doing with it? And he's like, I just try not to think about it. And I'm like, okay, well, don't beat yourself up about it. Um, you know, don't like go home and whip yourself and be like, No, I shall have not, you know, okay, that's not what you're meant to do either. But, you know, as long as you're not obsessing about it and what you choose to do with that is up to you. You know, David looking at Bathsheba was not a sin. It was not a sin until he called her over and then proceeded to have sex with her and rape her. That was where the sin was, right? Now, Jesus, you know, obviously Jesus says, if you even look at a woman and lust after her, you've committed. Right, I get that. But the action of it is what proves the thought. If you make the choice yeah. to say, I am not going to, I'm going to look away, I'm not going to do this. That's the point is that, yes, you strayed away from God's mentality. God would never look at somebody like that and think like, oh, you're somebody else's wife or, you know, I'm going to steal you. But when we choose to say, I'm not going to give purchase to that, I'm not going to, I'm going to stick to the commitments I've made. That's where it comes in. And and again, I've met so many other people that they they think attraction or um, the pleasure that comes from being around a person. Uh, even physical touch, in in the sense of like, holding hands, giving massages, um, and, I, and I don't know where you fall on the traditional spectrum, you know, our listeners, but you know, innocent things, things that are not overtly sexual, they anything that that possibly could arouse them, they consider to be like evil, and it's like, no, 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 no. Obviously, you want you don't want to put yourself in a bad position where it becomes much easier to to uh, make those. Choices that, that are going to go against your, your pure mentality and your pure choice. However, it's not a bad thing. And that's, I think, the thing that we need to get into is like, no, you know, orgasms are not a bad thing. Um, being with someone isn't a bad thing. You're meant to know somebody. You're meant to become one with them, in body, soul, mind. Um, that's not bad. And, and I think that the danger is that even if, if the way that we treat it, if we're so delicate with it and put so much shame on it is that you will never be able to connect with embodied body, soul and mind with your partner because you think this is a dirty, dirty, dirty act. And it's so bad. Yep. And because of that, you will have such shame that you will not allow yourself to completely let go.
2: Yep.
3: Um, and then it, it will become something bad. It, it will become a, a shameful act, a guilty act. And, and, not because in and of itself it's bad, but because you are now attaching that stigma to it. And that's the danger of it. It's like you want to be able to enjoy this. You want to be able to look and say, you know what, at some point, whether I'm with somebody right now or whether I'm with not with somebody. And again, if this is not your issue, <laughs> help others with it. Um, you know, get get out, be proactive about talking with this. Because again, you don't need to have this or, or let me rephrase. You don't have to have a sex education talk with your youth and young adults. You don't need to get into all of the, and this is a condom, and this is a, you don't yeah. need to do that to have this conversation. This is the conversation that we need to be having with our youth and young adults. Um, because we need to say, hey, this is about this. Make a choice. Think. And, and we need to do that. I cannot emphasize, and I'm going to keep saying it on this podcast and, and everywhere I can. Think, 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 figure out for yourself, find the principles behind this, because when you do that, this conversation is completely, well, not completely G-rated, it's, it does get a little bit out there, but I don't feel like this conversation has taken away any, anybody's innocence, you know? I don't think we should be having it with a seven-year-old, necessarily, but I think so some So, late
1: NSFW tag on the, <laughs> but I think the, the end of the episode. The reality episode. is, yeah, now we're in trouble. <laughs> But the reality is,
3: like, you need to be able to say this. And you can be proactive about it with your youth and young adults and have this conversation so that they can then have a healthy sex life in its right time um, when they are ready for it. And then you need to say, here's the reason why for it. And you don't need to talk about these different things because also you're going to have kids in that audience that already had their innocence taken from them. Yes. And so when you talk about this concept, when you are able to have this talk and talk about the principles behind it and say, purity is a choice. Do you choose to, to attach yourself to something bigger than yourself or are you going to be selfish about it? Um, then, you, then, then they'll go, oh, okay, I get that. I can choose to do that. I can have that. And then when they do make a mistake, you can say, okay, do you want to do that now? You know, that's important for them. It's going to be huge for them.
1: One final note I want to make uh, about this, and and this is kind of just kind of a blanket statement, but um, this everything we've said completely applies to masturbation, to pornography addiction, to any sort of sexual addiction. Um, It all applies across the bat. Purity is a choice, regardless of whether you've given up your virginity and fully had sex or whatever, um, or if it's just a personal matter of lust that you struggle with, um, objectifying women or objectifying men. um, If it, you know, either or. Um, or both if yeah or both if you are solo and no matter what camp you're in um, on your own all of this applies as well and I want you to know we want you to know that you are special you are beautiful you are um, and you absolutely can be the person that God has called you to be it is not too late for that if you're still breathing it is not too late for that we believe in you Um, we are here for you yeah So um, and yeah, if there's anyone that completely disagrees with us, once again, we welcome disagreement, um, and you're welcome to write in and let us know, and that way we can have you on and you can disagree with us publicly, um, and we can get into it. I will just tell you, you'll be wrong. I'm, ki- <laughs> kidding. Yeah, they're uh, definitely gonna want to call me, now. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah no, they'll definitely no. Um, I I'm we will wipe the to floor hear... with your carcass. No, honestly, if you do, if you do disagree with us, we're not going to have you come on and defend yourself No, No, Like it's not going to be one V (laughs) two in on the podcast. We just, we want to hear from you and we're, we're welcome to hear differing perspectives. Um, But at the end, yeah, we may disagree and that's okay. Um, However, um, as we kind of tail out of this episode, um, we just want to let you know, again, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher now. Um, on most podcatching apps just go ahead and um, subscribe um, you can find us on the absurdity.org and also you can find tony and i on twitter i am at ryan 180 becker and tony what's your twitter at tony underscore
3: nobly a-n-o-b-i-l-e or you can uh, just look up the new
1: dr jones Yep. So, um, both of the, all of that will be in the description below. And just so you know, as well, we do have a Patreon, if you believe in what we're doing here and you want to support this podcast financially, um, by month to month donations, create a Patreon account, go to patreon.com slash absurdity podcast and throw us even a dollar a month. Every little bit helps, um, to keep the lights on and to keep this thing going. So, We really appreciate you listening. We hope and we pray that this has been beneficial to you. Thank you guys so much, and we will talk to you next week.
2: Sometimes it's hard
1: to find a new
2: metaphor To say the same old cliche Because whatever I'm saying I could call it a battle. I could call it a march. I Told us that it wouldn't be easy, and boy, don't I know that it's true. Easy was raising a man from the dead. Being humble seems harder to do. my pride and confess. Though I know all the lingo and all the cliches means nothing if he's not in came down to save me But what does that mean? Does my life really show that I know If it don't change my behavior Then it don't change a thing And it's hard Cause when I open over- my eyes, and I see my own helplessness, it makes all the difference, you see, cause the lingo is lost, and the light of his grace, the cliches have no Sorry to drop my pride and confess Though I know all the lingo and all the cliches It means nothing if he's not in control There's a light in the distance, and he's waiting there for me. There's a light in the distance, and he's waiting there for me. But it's still hard.
1: Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.